If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You don't want your Oreo. Yeah, <laughs> don't want my Oreo. Okay, good. Um, I'm always ready. Ooh. I'm ready, Freddy. Throw it down. My name's Mario. My name's Chloe. Not Freddy. Welcome to Mystery Murdery Thingy. It's it's the podcast. It, Where we talk about mysteries. And murderies. And thingies. I got a good thingy one this time. Because I was getting kind of tired of talking about murder all the fucking time, so. Well, I have a mystery. Cool. And the, the it could be murder. I mean, I. Okay, you're going to go first. No, I think I've you decided. should go first. No, you should go first. No, you should go first. I think it's the first time we've wanted the other one to go first. I'll go, I can go first. I don't care. Well, just because I went first last time. I did you? I don't even remember. I think so. I like never remember. I'm pretty sure I went first last time. Okay. I want to listen to your story. Okay. Uh, so we are just starting off. All right, let's do it. <laughs> it's uh, you know, what what? We're not the most uh, highly produced podcast. It's cool. We're we not, are uh, we, we are recording in a tent right now, so it's not a tent, <laughs> a fort. It is a blanket fort, homemade. We thought we'd try a blanket homemade fort this time, y'all. So 
We'll see how We're it goes. We're experimenting. We like experimenting. Um, with our sounds, since we're constantly doing it every fucking episode. <laughs> take we like experimenting out of context. <laughs> I know, right? All right. We like experimenting. Okay, I'm, so I'm, I'm I'm talking about a medical mystery this yes, time. Because yes. we, we decided I was going to do a medical mystery. Is it gross? No, it's not gross at all, actually. Aww. Um, But it <laughs> is weird as shit and pretty cool. And it's this thing called, okay... So there's, like, two names for it, okay? One's kind of old-timey, even though it's not from that long ago, and one's, like, kind of newer. So it's called hyperthymesia. Okay. Okay. And it's also referred to as uh, highly superior autobiographical memory, or HSAM. So ah, highly superior, superior autobiographical memory. So this is a Okay, very, I'm intrigued. Yeah, yeah. It's a very mysterious medical condition um, that well, either afflicts or bestows power on a very small number of people, you know, depending on, mm. I guess, how you th- how you think about it, right? So this condition um, allows those very small number of people, it's like 100 people or something, maybe throughout the world, uh, maybe, um, to recall specific events, dates, and details about their lives or events that they've seen or read about. Oh, I wish I could do that. Even from years and years before. So, for example, a hyperthymestic person could tell you that, like, May 19th, 1993 was a Wednesday. Like, right off the bat. If they had lived through that time. But if they hadn't lived through that time, then they'd have no idea. Isn't that weird? And we like don't know why some people can do it and some people can't. Not exactly, but we'll we'll definitely get into some oh, of the I wish and I stuff. could do that. That would be dope. That would be a cool party trick. It would be. And some of them definitely like use it in different ways, like to their advantage. But it kind of affects different people differently. Oh. Um but for some of them it is like probably literally a party trick. Like uh, Mary Lou Henner, who's uh, like a famous actress. Um she apparently is one of these people. And uh, she would, I guess, use that as, like, kind of a, a thing with her friends and stuff. So anyway, um, so the, these, like, autobiographical recollections, they occur involuntarily and with no effort by the person. So it's not like they're like, mm, what did I do in, you know, <laughs> September 22nd, 1972 <laughs> when I was, like, 14 years old? <laughs> Money, please. <laughs> Lynn, Lynn, you're not a psychic, Lynn. Oh, yeah, that's what you're doing. Bob's Burgers. I was Bob's Burgers. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> she was not a psychic. <laughs> that episode turned out very badly. Um, so it just kind of, like, comes to them, it, even when they don't want it, actually. Um, they can just think through, like, okay, let me just think about all of the March 3rds um, from 10 to 14 years ago. The Boom, 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 boom. And it's just like, it's there. What did I do that day? Who did I talk to? What was I thinking about? Like, boom, 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 boom. It's crazy. And this is like kind of different than um, what you you know, it's called like savant syndrome or like photographic memory, so-called, or eidetic memory. Like this is kind of a totally different thing. So hyperthymesia or, or HSAM, doesn't impart, like, special, you know, mathematical abilities. Um, These people aren't better at calculating or, like, coming up with dates or things like that. Um, It's just a recollection, okay? That's why if they haven't lived through that time, they don't, like, they they just don't know, right? Just like the rest of us. Um, So, however, hypo, uh, hyperthymestic individuals do sometimes have an obsessive interest in dates, where they, they like really like thinking about dates, organizing different dates. But 
they don't really like calendars. What? They're not like into buying calendars or like studying different types of calendars or calendars over time. Or, or is it is it more mental? Than it's, it's yeah, it's just mental, but but it's weird. But but they ha- they do sometimes have this like obsessive interest in like dates um, as a thing. So these um, abilities, they're like kind of um, like I said before, not purely positive for like all people with hyperthymesia. Um, some mm. people or H Sam, the since the autobiographical recollection recollections are like involuntary, they're just kind of like for some of these people, kind of a constant intrusion on their thoughts, right? Like throughout the day. It's like you see something and you know, it just like makes you think of this thing from twenty years ago for no reason. What do you mean? So for example, they'll, you know, be going throughout their day and something will remind them of a thing that happened, like kind of not a very important thing. You know, 10 years ago, 14 years ago, 15 years ago, and then they'll just kind of like one memory will trigger another memory and then it'll trigger another memory, like oh. kind of like walking through an infinite room of memories. So it's like uncomfortable the room. Oh. for some of them. For some okay. of them, it's uncomfortable. For other ones, it's not. For some of them, it, it happens more intrusively. And for some of them, it happens less intrusively. It, it, it varies even in the very small number of people that we have like documented cases for, which is about eleven, uh-huh. it, it's it's pretty variable. But but there are some things that are consistent, and the ability to do it involuntarily is is always consistent. Um, but some of them have like different reactions, you know, to to it. Were you gonna say something? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I am gonna I I do want to say something, but I think you're gonna get to it. So keep talking. Yeah. I have a feeling I you're usually end it. up answering your questions, so <laughs> maybe just leave them more towards the end. Um. So yeah. Um. Let me find my place. Okay. So yeah, according to some people with hyperthymia, like especially the first woman who had like her documented case, um, her name is Jill Price. She actually was one of the ones who had more difficulties than others mm. where um, she would just get, like, wrapped up in, in these remembrances to the point where it was, like, intruding on her day, you know, intruding on, on like, her normal functioning as a person. Um, and, you know, it um, it does it, – it's always these um, autobiographical memories, like, always. It's not like – they remember like random facts really well. They're not uh, n- would uh, you may have heard of as uh, nemonists, right? M N E M O N I S T S. I've never. I don't. Um, it's people who can remember really well, like oh, the guy who can remember pi out to over fifteen thousand digits or something, um, or the there's this Russian guy who was able to memorize like huge sets of data just like looking at them once or. There was a woman who um, was a, um, a a musical mnemonist who um, could listen to a piece of music and then play it on the piano after one listening, like a Schubert sonata or something, you know, a 20-minute piece of music. Um, there's there's just different people who have savant abilities, savant-like abilities in terms of memory. Like, these are not those people. It's only autobiographical. But it's not important stuff. It's just like anything. I ate a sandwich on February 2nd at... Twelve fifteen, like <laughs> shit right. like that. But sometimes it's uh, super random too, because they'll remember like not that day, but then they'll remember the day after, or it'll be like they'll remember. Oh, it's random. It's a little bit random sometimes. They'll remember like what someone was wearing, but not necessarily what that person said. 
stuff like that. It's more like what their what, what their um, recollections of of their experience was, not necessarily the the facts that were. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's these, these there's like these all these different types of memory. I don't I'm know. puzzled. It, when you get into like a Wikipedia hole in this, you just like you start hearing about all these like different types of memory. I didn't realize yeah. that, that this like was a whole thing. Um, but but their their ability, it's like specifically around this idea of like um, the events that happened to them during their lives. And for some reason, they're just like able to recall all of them. And you said it's involuntary, so they can't like. I don't know. So does it? Well, they, they would, can bring up they... ones that they want to, but okay. but the the it's effortless. You know, it's not like they're they're like trying to remember. It just comes up automatically, always. So what about like a very special day to them? Do they remember everything that happened that day, or yeah. and also the days that aren't special? Hmm. It's yeah, it's just everything. Important events that happened, public events, but also not that important but, public events. That but happened. you said, but but you said it was random, but it's random in a sense of what they remember about that day. Like the, like you said, they remember what somebody was wearing, but not what they said. Sometimes it it's it varies. Oh, okay. It's not like one one thing or another thing. So um, the sort of central mystery here, right? Like we were talking about earlier. It's like, why do these people have this ability? You know, like, wh- what is this? Why why are they able to do this and the rest of us are, like, not able to do this? Why is it such a small number? Are there more? Yeah, who knows? Um, but part of why it's a mystery is because there just haven't been very many cases documented, right? Mm. So we just don't have that many examples of, like, to, to, to like, go on, right? To create, like, real, like, theories of what's going on. But there, there have been some stabs at it. So I'm going to go through, like, two kind of categories of these sort of hypotheses or theories as to what's going on with, with hyperthymesia, HSAM. Um, so first I'm going to go into the biological ones. So um, in one documented case, and I, I think this was um, the uh, case of Jill Price, um, the patient was found to have an enlarged temporal lobe mm. and caudate nucleus. And there have been some other MRIs and scans where there have been other parts of the brain that have been found to be um, enlarged or have more white matter in them, which which apparently is important, I guess, in functioning, um, uh, scientists think. And th- those specific areas, the um, temporal lobe and the caudate nucleus, are thought to be key in both memory processing and storage, uh, specifically long-term memory. And the caudate nucleus is also involved with procedural memory um, and habit formation and is also implicated in – probably implicated in obsessive-compulsive disorder. And there are some – what do you want to say? Indications. You know, there's some – it's it's not like – scientifically proven or anything but there, there's some indications that um people who have hsam may also be more likely to have obsessive compulsive disorder or at least yeah. have obsessive um tendencies are there cases of ptsd mm, i'm not sure that there was there's not really a link that i read about between those two things because mm. this is this is an ability these people people have had since childhood um but what and it's if, not what... linked it doesn't seem to be linked to trauma well but it actually doesn't really seem to be linked to um, emotionality at all. 
That's um, even weirder which, to me. Yeah, which it, it is because one would th- – and actually there was um, one study that kind of teased this out particularly in some, some different memory tests and things that were given to, to these people into a control group. And uh, it was found that even in a, a different context, in shorter-term memory um, with these kind of memory tests, that emotionality didn't affect the ability of um, hyperthymestics to rem- remember things any better than a control group. Mm. So it didn't seem like they had any special ability in respect to the emotionality tied to memory formation. Okay. Because I was going to say, what if you, like – remember every detail of like something traumatic that happened to you would it affect you more well that, I don't know. You know, do you know what i mean but that type of re- highly detailed remembering over a long period of time is normal oh. so that's not really what we're talking about that th- this is where they remember everything things that are special and not special right that's like what i've been saying like where it's it's just even mundane details from 20 years ago so it, it's it's a kind of a different type of thing so and I guess this has to do with memory. You, it's like normal to remember. Well, I mean, duh. It's like normal to remember something traumatic. Well, yeah. I mean, I think so. I'm not like a memory expert, but I think so. So anyway, um, getting back to, to kind of the story. Um, so some like non-biological ideas as to why this might be happening. Um so some researchers think that hyperthymesia is not really a result of, like, the um, brain circuitry per se, like, not anything in the way that the brain's set up, but more, like, function. Like, that these people have a kind of, um, you know, in the encoding process, they're, like, subconsciously using these, like, semantic processing mnemonic cues, I guess. What does that mean? <laughs> To where, okay, so you know, like, for example, um, if you learn something as a song. Oh, mnemonic cues. Okay, Right, mnemonic cues. So, like, if you learn something as a song, then you remember it much better. Oh, yeah. Because the the song, the tune, is a mnemonic cue. Okay. Um, Just like, um, you know, if if you learn something as a, um, um, like, a series of, of letters, right? Like, the order of the planets or something, then you remember, like, a little you know, nonsense sentence that helps you to remember the planets. But I don't remember it. Right. You have to remember the, the cue. But they <laughs> think that these people might be doing that with everything subconsciously all the time. And then they use those mnemonic cues to have that automatic recollection. Oh. But in a way that they're not, like, consciously like percepting oh. what's happening. What? It's just, like, happening. Because of... Who knows? Because why? Because we don't know. (laughs) We're not sure. That's the fucking mystery, right? Oh, that's so bizarre that it's like unconscious. It is, and that's that's and and involuntary. Yeah, and um, they think that this might be kind of like a domino effect, um, where it automatically brings up one memory after another, each one triggering the other, um, which which does seem to be like how it functions, at least in some um, hyperthymistics. So this all might also have to do with another kind of mysterious condition called synesthesia. I don't know, have you ever heard of synesthesia? So it's no. like um, where there are these associations between different senses. So commonly, oh, people I know think what that is. It when people like, like when people like and... feel colors and like yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. And like see numbers and shit. Right? Exactly. Like that, that Russian nemanist that I was talking about, he had synesthesia. 
where with but it was with all five senses. So how common is that? Synesthesia, know? it's definitely more common, but it's not super common, obviously. Um, but it's it's not like super rare either. Um, and some have hypothesized that hyperthymesia may stem from a kind of synesthesia, like a space time kind of synesthesia. Or that, that it might be like sort of the functioning the same, but with, with space and time, as opposed to with color and, you know, um, hearing or with, you know, taste and uh, touch or wh- whatever, you know. So someone can see time? What? Huh? I'm so confused. Yeah, I'm not really sure what, what that means exactly, but it's kind of a mystery as well. So let's talk about some uh, documented cases. So according to Wikipedia, the almighty Wikipedia, there have been six cases of hyperthymesia that have been confirmed in peer-reviewed articles um, between 2006 and April of 2016. Um, The first well-documented case was the one I was talking about earlier, Jill Price, um, originally known as AJ before she revealed herself. Um, And this is known as the first documented case of hyperthymesia. Um, and it was documented by Elizabeth Parker, Larry Cahill, and James McGaw at the University of California, Irvine. And for some reason, um, again, this is kind of the mystery, um, Jill Price remembers every day of her life since she was 14. What? And that's the other weird thing about this, that it's always like some kind of random day in like their early um teens usually like some it's 10 puberty some it's 11 it might be puberty but there's one who they claim it's from birth that's what they claim no it's and and like as far as we can tell i guess they're as legitimate as any of these other people so i don't know it's there was that one case where it was earlier but in all the other ones that i read about it was like that sort of early teen so maybe like you're saying something with puberty perhaps um, so Jill Price states that, quote, starting on February 5th, 1980, mm. I remember everything. That was a Tuesday. Close quote. <laughs> oh, my god! And gosh. that's what she's just constantly saying that in her quotes. She's like, yeah, that day, that was a Wednesday. Da, 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 uh-huh. That was a Thursday. You know, it's like this thing. Um, and her experience, like I said before, with hyperthymesia has actually been fairly negative, unfortunately. Uh-huh. Um her memories, she says, intrude on her stream of thoughts and that she feels that her condition has been sort of misrepresented in the media. I guess mm. there was this Wired article, which I, I didn't I didn't get to reading, which um, I guess kind of misportrayed. She felt you can um, easily portray it as like some kind of superpower. But if it's like intruding on your thoughts like that, never. Right. It's like constant. I think there's a way in which you can talk about it where it's it's sort of dehumanizing. You know, for you forget that these are just people who yeah, are, are like yeah. able to do this. And it's just like to them, it's like when I was young, I thought everyone saw kind of fuzzy, you know, because I didn't know you needed glasses. Aww. I just thought that was like how you saw <laughs> And it's the same with these people. Like, until they learned that other people couldn't do this, they just assumed that everyone else can do this. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, mean, it makes sense. So to them, it seems completely normal, you know. Um, And then there's the case of H.K. Derryberry. Is that a fake name? I don't think so. Um, I like it. His case was reported in June 2012 when he was about 20 years old. And um, he claims that he can recall every day of his life since 11. He was born prematurely at 27 weeks and just over two pounds. Mm. Um, people, they, doctors did not think he would survive. Mm. Um, he had a severe brain hemorrhage while in neonatal care. Oh my God. 
which caused cerebral palsy and congenital blindness. He's been blind his whole life. And he claims that his memories are rich in sensory and emotional detail. Wow. And are perfectly clear, whether old or new. But with no visual content. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. This is, like, unfathomable think to about me. That. Th- I, like, think, think about I, I remembering, can't... like, touching something and then making you feel a certain way, but specifically on a day ten years ago. For, but it was it wasn't important. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, but why? Well, <laughs> oh, it's so weird. Um, and then um, later that year, um, Channel Four in the UK documented the case of twenty-year-old Aurelian Heyman in the program "The Boy Who Can't Forget." And uh, Aurelian, who's from Cardiff in Wales, was a student at Durham University in Northern England. And he could remember, he says, every day of his life since age 10. So again, 10, 11, 11, 14, it's right around that same age. And he is the first known British hyperthymastic. Um, Aurelian also has had a relatively positive experience with mm. the condition. Um, he actually says that it's, it's been just kind of a fun, you know, positive thing in his life. Yeah. And then there's uh, Rebecca Sherrick's case, the last one I'm going to detail uh, specifically um, her case came to light in April 2017 through a BBC World um, uh, Service interview, so not too long ago, just about two years ago. She claims to remember every detail of her life since—oh, this is the one—since she was 12 days old. So not since birth, technically, but she claims since she was 12 days old. She wow. remembers every day. Um, Rebecca is from Brisbane, Australia, and her case was studied by two separate research projects— at the University of Queens- Queensland and the University of California. And scans showed that Rebecca's brain had a heightened connection between the conscious and subconscious area. What? So with what? all these brain scans, what? they're definitely showing something. Like something, it seems, I think the biological is has a very strong case. Because there, there seems much. to be something going on. Um, this may allow uh, her to, um, may allow Rebecca to access memories that would otherwise be buried in the subconscious mm-hmm. um see like ins- bing bong. see inside out for more info exactly like bing bong like, no bing bong the ability of these patients has forced scientists and others including chloe right now to yeah. <laughs> wonder how large the human brain's capacity for memory storage actually is um, in other words, do we store all of the things that we have ever been exposed to, but we just can't recall them? Ah! Is that the case? Is there this infinite well of memories uh, deep within us I mean, into which we could tap? What do you think, Chloe? It makes you, I want to say yes. Right? It really makes you, oh, ooh. Uh, I wonder. And, and then wonder, what if there's like, what if somebody like invents some kind of like pill? Ooh. Right, that like, ooh, the that'd be a great book, pill. right? Right. I keep bumping the damn microphone. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> just, it's just like hanging out there. Rest in peace to people with headphones listening to this right now. <laughs> Three. Um, Three. But are you, I, are you done? No. Okay. I was just asking you a question. Okay. It's here in my red Well. What do you think, Chloe? It Because <laughs> I want to know. Um, I'm interested in your opinion. Well, I say yes. Yeah. No, I I, I think I think it's fairly likely. Um other people, of course, think that, that that's not the case, that the hyperthymistics are not tapping into this kind of unadulterated stream of our lives, right? 
rather they're reconstructing the memories from traces mm. um which the brain is very very good at doing actually um reconstructing a whole from a part and that there is no master storage you know full of intact memories and there's never any way to prove it really right not yet not yet, <laughs> not yet. okay i don't know right. I, I can imagine okay. a black mirror kind of oh! Not too distant future in which we're able to directly tap into the memory. I oh, mean, God. I think it's I think it's hypothetically possible. Um, I'm not a fucking scientist, as I want to say, but you know, I think it's hypothetically possible. Um, there's also a debate about whether hyperthymestics are susceptible to false memories. There or memory you creation. go. This is what I wanted to ask you, but I was like, I'm pretty sure you're going to get to it. Yes. So you, your your hypothesis was correct. Um, so I actually read about a really uh, good study, it seemed like, um, which suggested that they are, that hypothymestics are okay. susceptible okay. to the same kind of false memories, memory creation, distortion that all of us are, are susceptible to. And um, that they use associative subconscious cues of the kind that we were discussing earlier to overcome this when recalling autobiographical memories, but not other kinds of memories. So in this study, hyperthymestics were actually worse or just as bad at most memory tasks, including utilizing, um, including tests utilizing, quote, lure words and photographic details over a short time scale. So they would not be any better eyewitnesses. Correct. And okay. the study made that exact point. All right. Because when yes. you're talking about this, I'm like, okay, like, what if somebody was there at the scene of the crime and they remember that day, but... Right. But they're not... But it's not any better. And, and they're known to have HSAM, so, like, oh, they're the perfect witness. They remember everything. But do they? But do they? Ooh! Maybe not. Maybe not. Um, and the, I, I'm going to close with a, a quote from that study. Quote, finding false memories in a superior memory group suggests that malleable reconstructive mechanisms may be fundamental to episodic remembering. Paradoxically, HSAM individuals may retrieve abundant and accurate autobiographical memories using fallible reconstructive processes, close quote. So it's kind of a paradox. Right. You know, it's not that they have perfect memory. It's not that their memory doesn't function exactly the same way our memory functions. It's just that overlaid on top of that is this ability to perfectly seemingly remember autobiographical details and we don't really know why oh it actually just deepens the mystery this is so bizarre because you can't explain it by some kind of fundamental difference in the functioning of their memory as opposed to ours it seems like now a lot more studies need to be done a lot more case studies things of that nature but um, up to this point, it's it's uh, very much a memory, a mystery, a memory mystery, uh, mystery a medical memory. memory mystery, mystery, memory, memory, mystery. And that's my goddamn mystery. That was a good one. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so my sources, um, I, I didn't write all of them out, but I've got like all the links here. So first of all, Ashley Lewis at Reader's Digest, um, Wikipedia, of course. Um, the Diagnosing HSAM page on Healthline.com. And then um, Aaron, uh, sorry, Aurora Laporte, Aaron Matfeld, Heather Dickinson, Anson, James Fallon, Craig Stark, Frith Joff Krugel, Larry Cahill, and James okay, McGall. Damn. Um, writing in Neurobiology of Learning and Memory. And then the uh, study that I just mentioned um, 
Here, let me see if I can get to it real quick to read because there's a number of researchers in this one as well. Oh my god. Um, these are all, you know, they're they're group projects, right? Why don't you say one person in et al? Um, Lawrence Pettihus, Stephen Frinda, Aurora Laporte, Nicole Peterson, Rebecca Nichols, Craig Stark, James McGall, and Elizabeth <laughs> Loftus. Uh, Loftus. Um, and that's uh, in uh, the Proceedings of the National Academies of Sciences of the United States of America. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. God bless um, right. the... Proceedings of the National let's Academy of Sciences of the United States of America. Before my computer <laughs> dies. Yeah, let's let's. <laughs> yes. Okay. <clears throat> Let me just uh, clear my throat here. Um. So make some I real quick. am talking about <laughs> ruffle, ruffle, ruffle. <laughs> I am talking about a mystery. That was so dumb. <laughs> uh, guess what, guys? In our mystery guess podcast, what? I've talked about a mystery. It's a thing we don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> it is a missing persons case. Okay. So it's interesting in that it it has to do with religion and exploring and okay, let's just talk. Okay. 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 So there is, you know, a slew of explorers out there, like, obviously. Adventurers. Um, Right. Some of them. Peripatetics. Some of them Christian missionaries. Sure. Some of them just curious. And some who legitimately go out and search for, I don't know, Noah's Ark. Okay. So this is the story of Donald McKenzie, a 47-year-old climber from Britain who became fascinated with Noah's Ark after becoming a born-again Christian. So let's – I'm going to start with talking about the mountain that he climbed and then was never seen again. So Mount Ararat. Oh, yeah. Mount Ararat, yeah. How do I say it? Uh, I believe it's pronounced Ararat. Ararat. Um, According to mythology, the the mountain on which Noah's Ark is claimed to have – yeah. So found on the border of Iran and Armenia – it's Turkey's highest mountain. It's called Agri Dag in Turkish. Um, oh. It's also nicknamed the Mountain of Pain. Hmm. It's a dangerous place. Okay. And not just because of the landscape. Um, so it's, like I said, it's a, like you said, actually, for me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is, a, this is a pretty widely known thing. Okay. I didn't know. Spoiler alert from the Bible. <laughs> well, not everybody has read the Bible in detail, Mario. Well, neither have I. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a learn. I just grew up Catholic. I now guess. I like Sorry. have. Now I like my, have the my, giggles. My growing up Catholic. I mean, privilege. I grew up Catholic, but I had never heard of this place. Oh, okay. Um, so it's alluring because it's mentioned in the book of Genesis. Quote: Then the ark rested in the seventh month, the seventeenth day of the month, on the mo- mountains of Ararat. So some people like look at this. Um, as the general region, like maybe it's over there, but some people literally think that it's on the mountain. So, and people have been flocking to this place for years, thousands of people like every year, um, looking for the Ark. And sometimes they're individual projects, and sometimes they're like well-funded, sponsored, hundreds of people planned expeditions. I wonder if there's ever been a Discovery Channel I mean, series or whatever. Maybe there probably has. I mean, Oak Island, Mount Ararat. Oh God, we could. 
Oak Island. <laughs> Maybe the Oak Island guys can take Oak a Island stab is at it. Ridiculous. My dad loves the Oak Island show. I feel like most people like your dad enjoy. <laughs> but I think he he even knows that it's bullshit. But anyway, it is interesting. But <laughs> it some, is, and there is it... a real historical thing that it right. is tied to, as right. we talked about on the pod, of course. But sometimes well, they like. Sometimes they like. As an actor, I like watch it, and sometimes they like find <laughs> shit and they like hype it up to be this huge thing, and I'm like. That's a pebble. Like, <laughs> it's just a rock. Oh, my God, you guys petrified wood. And yeah, and they have, like, the music in the background. It's, like, all edited perfectly. <laughs> yeah. It's like, do, do, We're going to take it to our experts over in blah, 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 blah. After the commercial. <laughs> yeah, right. And they, like, hype it up to be this big thing. Oh, my God, I bumped it again. I'm sorry. I'm just messing up the whole episode. All right. <laughs> so there is a... Uh, a organization called Noah's Ark Ministries International. I want to say NAMI, N-A-M-I. I don't, I really don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna call I'm gonna call it NAMI. Sure. Uh, a Hong Kong based evangelical organization. So the this organization announced in April of 2010. They like had this press conference. All right, and note that there were a lot of Turkish authorities there and important people. Just note that. Um, that they had, they have this press conference that, with ninety nine point nine percent certainty, found Noah's Ark in an ice cave on the slopes of Ararat. But they refused to tell people like the exact location sure. of their find. Um, but Donald McKenzie heard about this. He was like, "Oh, fuck you! I'm gonna go see this for myself." So let's talk about Donald McKenzie himself. So he. Grew up on the Isle of Lewis off the west coast of Scotland. So this um, this was like a very uh, conservative, religious, Irish Catholic type um, area. So although he grew up... Wait, did I say Irish? Yeah, you mean Scottish. That's wrong. Scotland. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure she said Scotland. but Scotland. So he, So yeah, he grew up in this like conservative religious environment but he was wasn't he didn't like follow those rules he was kind of wild in in this in the sense uh he rode a lot of motorcycles he joined up with the military hung out at the harley davidson shop i mean we were just talking about that (laughs) Uh, we were just talking about that um uh he drank a lot got in a lot of bar fights um so he became a born-again christian after his brother derek convinced him to so it was he kind of hit rock bottom, got in another bar fight, another drunken brawl. And his brother was like, yo, like, it's time to get your shit together, dude. So that's what he did. He kind of became, um, like, a, a self-employed missionary at this point. He traveled all over the place. He traveled to Syria, Israel, and Turkey, and he preached the Bible. He spread the word of God. And beginning in the early 2000s, um, that was when he started making his regular trips to the mountain in search of the ark. So he, it was something that he was always fascinated, you know, by. But um, after the press conference, that was when he really was like, I'm, I'm really going to do this. So he funded his trips through these, like, short-term laboring jobs just here and there. Um, he kept costs really low. He climbed alone or with a trusted local friend. But he had this unshakable belief that the Ark was on the mountain. So he actually traveled and 
climbed for four years before venturing alone for the first time in 2006. But it left his friends feeling kind of uneasy. They were like, I don't know if this is a good idea. You don't have the best gear. Mm. Um, uh, he wasn't like an experienced mountain climber, I'm assuming. Or right. Was he? he was more okay. he, he was more of an amateur. I That's mean, what he, it seemed like. Before he like... Had he like started climbing for about four years b- before he like went on this expedition? Mm. So he climbed the north face of the mountain, which is much more dangerous than the south face. It's filled with dark pits, ice slopes, crevices, very dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's important to note that during this time, East Turkey had a lot of conflict, um, still does, specifically between the state. And the rebels of the Kurdistan Workers Party. Right. Uh, so, PKK. Right, the PKK. Right. So, climbing the mountain was actually banned by the military in the 1990s, but was oh, reopened to the public in 2000. So, uh, it was shortly after that the mountain was reopened that he started climbing. Mm-hmm. So, even after it opened, the it wasn't. It still wasn't this like. It wasn't a safe place. You know, sure. it's on. It's on the border. Um, between Iran and Armenia, there's still lots of conflict as uh, people struggle for rights and, sure. and recognition, stuff like that. Um, there's firefights, roadside bombs, kidnappings. All these things are are common. So, like I said before, Donald McKenzie was traveling to the mountain um, all the time. He made a lot of friends in the community, and he was familiar with the Kurdish culture and um, the people of the town. So Mackenzie had a complex relationship with the town that uh, the mountain loomed over called Dogoboyezet. Did I get it? I think so. It <laughs> sounded like the lady from Google. Right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so he unintentionally, I believe, created some some tension. He would talk negatively about the Prophet Muhammad. Oh, and yeah, about, you don't want to do that. Right. And about Islam in general, oh, uh, his friends were worried and they were warning him, you know, you need to be cautious because right. this is a very that's a very serious thing. So. Let's get into his disappearance. Okay. The last his family heard from him was when he called up his older brother uh, from Turkey late September 2010 told him that a storm was just dying down in the mountain, that he was going to go cook some dinner outside his tent. Um, but he hasn't been heard from since. Mm. So lots of searches were done. Um, a sewing kit, a pocket telescope, and a business card with an Isle of Lewis address were later found at an abandoned campsite above 13,000 feet, but they never found him. And like mm. I said, there have been numerous searches for Mackenzie, but a body has never been found, like, wow. even to this day. Just disappeared without a trace. Yeah. Wow. And um, it's like... It, people people do get lost in things, but um, it's more common to find a body than not. Right. So it's 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 eerie. It's very eerie. And it's also not like um, in the like Himalayas or something where it's buried in snow. Right? Exactly. You know, there's seasonal well, falls. Well, there. Yeah. Um. Uh. I think I read that a blizzard stopped him a couple of times, mm-hmm. but uh, okay. um, he carried on yeah so he was reported missing but there wasn't a huge investigation um the family feels that more could have been done on like an official sure level the turkish officials 
looked like they kind of looked into it. Um, but they look they like looked at his disappearance as like that he got what was coming to him. They were sure. like, you know, he shouldn't have been up there anyway. Uh, he didn't have a permit. He was climbing illegally. He got what was coming to him. End of story. Uh, he also. I just said that. Yep, didn't have <laughs> didn't have an official permit to climb. He wasn't there officially. He shouldn't have been. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, wasn't he, there officially? Didn't have a permit. Illegal. Did not have a permit. Was there <laughs> not officially? Why did I write the same thing eight times I in mean, my write up? <laughs> <laughs> the mood. So. So technically, we don't even know if he died or not. Yeah, I guess. That's true. Because it's not clear whether he died or nobody died of an accident or right. was killed, murdered, right. possibly. Very possibly. Some argue it's too dangerous to go out looking for him any further. Sure. Um, sending military people up there could also put them at risk for conflict with the PKK. Mm-hmm. Um, a, there's a lot of territory over there. Mm-hmm. So... Many things inspired Donald McKenzie's search for Noah's Ark, but one of them, like I said, was uh, that NAMI claimed that they had found it, Mm -hmm. uh, the organization. So his campsite was found close to where that they claimed that they had found the Ark. It was called the Red Canyon. So the Noah's Ark community, what's it stand for again? Um... Noah's Ark Maintenance Institute. Ministries International. Right. Maintenance Institute. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they released this video showing men in hazmat suits pulling out planks of wood from an ice cave. Guess what? It was fake. It was all totally fake. It was a huge hoax. Fake. So Abdullah Kaya a mountain guide who claims to have worked with um, the Noah's Ark Ministries International Mission says that he kind of helped. In October of 2009, quote, we brought the wood of an old boat here from Erzurum, which is a neighboring state. Uh, We took it up Ararat and put it inside an ice cave, end quote. But he claims that he left he kind of like left like that's all he did and mm-hmm. he wasn't really told what was going on okay. and he left before things really got heated before there was total deception mm-hmm. um but he says that the six person team that perpetrated the fraud received quote big money big money big money big money um i mean but like think about it like whoever discovers noah's ark they're gonna get paid well yeah i mean if if there is such a site uh, that could be interpreted as Noah's Ark. Yeah, of course. So local guides began suggesting that the discovery was a hoax orchestrated by one of their colleagues, Ahmet Ertugrul, a.k.a. Parachute, who was hired by NAMI. So the theory is that he, like, went in and he did a deal with the Turkish government, and the plan was to, like, build a museum with this mm. ark and gain even more tourism. Um so discussion of the Ark brings in tons of tourists. The town of Dogobayezit has a population of about 100,000 people, but it has about 4,000 tourists every year. And the article that I read talked about how the tour, like the tourism and the, that is like what maintains their economy. Hmm. Like without the tourists, 
the the horsemen wouldn't have any work. Sure. The hotels wouldn't have any work. Uh, taxi drivers, no work. It's restaurants, no work. Um, it's a big part, excuse me, of their economy. Mm-hmm. So, in the end, here, there are only two theories. And the simplest is that Mackenzie had some kind of tragic accident on the mountain, or or murder. 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 Uh, did he freeze to death? Did he fall into a crevice and die? Did Was he attacked by wolves, which is very common? Wolves straight up eat people over there. Could be a reason why no body was found, right? But there would be bones. Oh, They yeah. don't think it was a wolf because there would be bones. Oh, I guess so. Um, or was well, he kidnapped and murdered by Islamist extremists? Who... Or maybe he found out the secret of the fake wood and he got thrown to a nice cave himself. Maybe he. What if he like? What if found he got killed the, by Nami? What if he found the Ark and then was um, raptured? Could be that too. Maybe he's chilling with the Big J up, up I mean, and upstairs. Maybe up in the upstairs. maybe it's a happy ending and he uh, is living an eternal life at peace. Maybe he's with all the Mormons in heaven. But in all seriousness, uh, it's it's a weird, it's pretty tragic. It, too. It's it is tragic. It's yeah. a weird case. Very. Um, it's a good one. It is a good in. So my sources are A Mystery on the Mountain of Pain. Uh, that's what the title of the article good title. is called, right? Uh, from a website called Roads and Kingdoms, and the article was by Patrick Wrigley, and then an Irish Times article by Stephen Starr, which <laughs> is a, a great name. It's a great name. Very, he's very, very big right now, Stephen Starr. But yeah, very, Donald very McKenzie right was big in that community. Mm. Um, he, st- he caused some trouble, but... He went out looking for Noah's Ark a lot. He had a lot of faith in his heart. Well, I mean. Very adventurous soul. If he did die that way, I mean, he died truly doing what he loved, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. What else can you ask for, I guess? Yeah. Still tra- tragic, for sure. Okay, you ready for some weird shit in the news? Weird <laughs> Sorry. shit it's in, in the, the news. news. Um, okay, let me pull it up. Okay. I've got some, I've got some, some crazy, I mean. So should we do like, I'll do one, you do one? Or? Yeah, because both of us have two, right? Okay, yeah. So I want to, I want to just talk about a couple. I don't have any specific stories. They're just some weird things that have been happening recently. Uh, in uh, the, uh, in the Donalds. Uh, in In his area of, of things. Um, not getting political here. This has nothing, not, neither of these really has anything to do with politics. Okay. So the the first one though, okay. So from again, from a t- completely apolitical perspective, the Donald is a huge liar. He's a compulsive liar, and he lie. He's a lying liar who lies. I mean, um, it's an it's not it, political it, at no, this point. No, <laughs> no, it, it is a, it is an established fact. Weird thing though, he's lied three separate times about the fact that his father, Donald Trump's father, oh, Fred Trump, I heard about this. was was or was not born in Germany. Uh, he was not. Uh, Fred Trump and, and a Washington Post reporter f- found the birth certificate, literally Fred Trump's birth certificate from the Bronx, where he was born. <laughs> Far from in Germany. In the Bronx, not in <laughs> Germany. Um, yet, uh, was it yesterday, I believe, uh, the Donald again stated that his father was born in Germany. Not true. Very weird. Don't just... understand it. Is he having a stroke? Uh, is is there something mentally wrong with him? I'm not sure. I'm not a fucking doctor, but very weird. Anyway, now think... you you go. <laughs> that was it. That's all I had. <laughs> you go for that one. So <laughs> it's, the title it's weird. the title to this article is 
uh, man chokes cashier for putting chips and canned goods in same grocery bag. <laughs> Wait, say that one more time. Man chokes cashier for putting chips and canned goods in the same grocery bag. So this happened you know in what? Pennsylvania. I agree. I mean, don't crush my chips, dude. Right. Um, this happened in Pennsylvania. He, this guy totally lost his cool over how a store clerk was bagging his groceries. He actually choked the cashier. Wow. Um, police noted in a criminal quote. Police noted in a criminal complaint that. Bauer explained to officers he had asked the clerk the clerk not to quote throw his groceries around end quote. And the man said he had several bags of chips and quote didn't want them to get all smashed up end quote. And who could blame him? I mean, except for the state of Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. Was was it in Philly or? Um, Sounds like a Philly story. <laughs> Fairview. Okay, maybe it's a suburb. I don't know. Um. But Sounds like an episode of It's Always Sunny. <laughs> he walked away, turned, and asked him, do you have a problem with me? Because I have a problem with you. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, wow. Um, and then he was attacked, grabbing him around the neck and shoving the clerk against the cash register while calling the victim an idiot. The clerk was able to push Bauer away while a manager called the police. <laughs> <laughs> called the police. I'm Trisha Takanawa. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, issue with the chips, just send him over the edge. He was charged with, oh my I god, feel like the, this the, the, fucking the, article. The, Listen to this. The man was charged with simple assault. Next time, he might consider Pringles. <laughs> Who wrote this? Maybe bag him yourself, douche. Adam Frisk, my guy. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Adam. Um, my other weird shit in the news is, um, weirdly, a woman... Uh, gained entry into Mar-a-Lago oh, this weekend. Dude, this is bizarre. Uh, exceedingly bizarre. So, okay, I want you um, to explain a, it to a, me. Appears to be a Chinese national. Um, so this woman, okay, she walks up to the Secret Service, right, uh, outside Mar-a-Lago, and is like, hey, uh, of course, this is, this is all in broken English. I need, I'm going to go and use the pool. And apparently they thought that she was the relative of someone who was supposed to be there, so they thought, hey – Pool, Mar-a-Lago, there's a pool here. Should be fine. Is Mar-a-Lago what his estate is called, or is no. it a country? It's a, or is it an island? It's is a it country island? club. Oh, It's oh, not an island or anything. It's an, a country club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I a country club. I didn't yeah, know yeah. That. It's in, um, I don't remember, Hollywood or Palm oh. Springs or some fucking where I in Florida. I thought it was like in the Caribbean. No, no, no. It's in Florida. Um, so anyway, this woman um, is escorted to the front desk. And uh, start speaking with the front desk lady, who is, a, appears to be a trained FBI officer. I'm not totally sure. Nice. But she she appears to be a very capable woman. That's the one thing everybody agrees with in this story, even the Donald. Um, she definitely did the right thing. Um, she questioned the, the apparently Chinese woman, and uh, who stated that she was there for a conference of some kind for Chinese people, something – Nothing like that was happening that day at Mar-a-Lago. It did not exist. Uh-huh. Uh, so from that, the front desk lady discerned that might be something weird going on here. And uh, uh, she called the Secret Service back and was like, hey, you probably want to, like, take another look at this. Like, I'm not in the Secret Service. <laughs> I'm, this is not you know, my job. <laughs> but uh, maybe you should do your job a little bit better because <laughs> um, right now I'm doing it. Um, so they find that this woman, not, not only did she uh, 
not have a bathing suit with her. Not only did she not <laughs> I'm have going, any... I'm going to go to the pool fully clothed. Right. Not only did she not have any relation to anyone who was a member there, um, she had two passports, uh, uh, a laptop, a hard drive, four cell phones, and a thumb drive with malware on it. And uh, she's now in jail. And, uh, yeah, she's being charged with making false statements and um, unlawful entry. So. Wow. Yeah. Pretty weird. Oh, I forgot the weirdest part. She claimed eventually this is like the third. Yeah, story. Yeah, what's her? St- oh, the, uh, the third she's story a lot now, of, right? Like, uh, I'm there for the pool. I'm, I'm there like for the interested. conference. So what she said eventually was that she was told by a friend of hers in China that uh, China that oh she God. should come to can't resist should come to the United States, go to Mar-a-Lago, and talk to a member of the Trump family about. Uh, some business opportunities, uh, some ways to increase uh, better economic relations between China and America. Who the fuck knows what that means or what any of this means? I but wonder. I wonder what she was doing. Not the, to, and, and, I like and, genuinely want to know, well, though. And just to be completely speculative and, and irresponsible about it, I'm just going to say this. Um, so just keeping in mind this is irresponsible speculation. Not the first time that a member of the Trump family has had some indications of some untoward doings, perhaps vis-a-vis China. Yeah. Um, by far, not not the second or third either. Um, so yeah, so. we'll see how that comes out. So, oh goodness, what's what your if... what's your second shit? So this is pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Um, My second shit's always pretty wild. The too. <laughs> what? <laughs> My second shit of the day is pretty wild. Well, I didn't as well. think I had to go again. Jesus. Uh, um. So here's the title. Judge declares. <laughs> stop. Okay. <laughs> Judge declares mistrial in alleged Alexandria werewolf killing after jury can't reach oh, yeah. verdict. This is actually serious. This is very, very serious. It's quite bizarre. So there was a. The jury, like, had deadlocked, and a mistrial was declared in Northern Virginia in this murder case. Um, so the judge, you know, straight up dismissed the jurors. Happened um, last Wednesday. There were three days of deliberations in the Alexandria Circuit Court in the trial of 34-year-old Pankaj Basin. So he was, okay, he was charged with murder. On July, uh, in the July 13th death of 65-year-old Bradford Jackson. He's just like this average dude who manages a window store. Um, his neck was broken and he was stabbed more than 50 times with a box cutter. Brutal. Um, so prosecutors and defense attorneys, they agreed that uh, Basin was mentally ill, but prosecutors disputed whether or not he was legally insane, and sure. that was the the mistrial. Sure, because um, there's a certain standard, and yeah. So he like thought that um, the guy he was stabbing was a werewolf, or so he claims. Or so he claims. Um, it's a very, very weird. Thing. Yeah, yeah. It sounds really said he weird. thought his victim was a werewolf. <sighs> Senseless death. Yeah. Senseless death. Um, they they said he was suffering from delusions, and he checked out of a mental hospital near his New Jersey home. But you know, 
there's a lot of misconception when it comes to declaring it's not it's not it's not easy being declared legally insane right right it's like a it's a complicated issue yes and of course as we should always say you know um people who have um mental instabilities or otherwise you know deficiencies or whatever are you know typically the victims not the perpetrators of violence yeah so the, you know always keeping that in mind they yeah so they agreed that he was mentally ill um i mean look at this yeah. murder but like the matter of the fact is right. was he insane on july 13th when he committed the murder right like, was, that's was the, he aware the of his actions was he aware of right and wrong like on that day in the moment like it's it's fucking hard yeah right to prove one way or the other um yeah but the burden of proof if i'm not mistaken is on the defense in that situation but i'm not totally sure because essentially his guilt is proven in the sense that like no one's disputing that he did this thing it's just was he legally responsible or not yeah it's a complicated issue (sighs) so but weird very weird Quote, I don't buy it. I mean, he parked around he parked around the back. He walked to the front and he's trying to say he's killing a werewolf, end quote. Jackson's friend Aaron Kennedy told the news. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. Well, uh, that's a great note to end things on. Uh, thanks for listening, you guys. <laughs> All the way to the end here. All the way to the end. Uh, follow our uh, social media Yeah, bullshits. hit us up on all the social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, yeah, I, I, I haven't been tweeting as much. but Patreon I'll pro- I'll if you're one of the cool kids. Yes. Give us a buck. Get Do it. S- hit us up. Uh, we have out. some extras coming up. Yeah, we're going to do another extra week, segment this weekend. A little hint, hint. I'm going to talk about Nipsey Hustle. Oh, yeah. There's a lot going on over there. So if you want to hear my take and hear what's going on. Right. Also about music that we like listening to. Right, we're, right, We're going right. to talk about that every week. so Or every month, sorry. It's, it's going to be a monthly thing for the extra segment. Okay, you guys. Thanks for supporting us. Thanks for listening. And goodbye. Uh, Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.